0: but you can't score any runs unless you get some hits. All right, now let's get a hitter up there. You kid, what's your name? Ruth, sir. Ruth, Ruth, what? George Herman Ruth, sir. But my friends call me Babe. Babe. Another Babe Ruth. Well, step up to the plate, Babe, and maybe swat out a few. Hey, Turk, chuck a few in to the next Babe Ruth. When you've got a well-known name, people expect a lot. named after the city that means beer. Old Milwaukee. It's a tough name to live up to, but Old Milwaukee is one of the fastest-growing major beers in the country. Tell me, babe, you don't happen to know any kids named Garrick, do you? Old Milwaukee beer tastes as great as its name.
1: Are you zigging? or zagging. One of the most common pieces of business advice that you'll hear is, of course, when everyone zigs, you need to zag. It means that when everyone is following a particular wave or trend or talking in the same way, or as is most commonly said, when everybody's going one direction, successful people go the other. When they zig, you zag. Or is it zag and then zig? In any event, you do the opposite. But is that really true? Should we always do that? Well, no, of course not. In fact, most trends are good trends for a reason. It's like when you got caught doing that, you know, naughty thing as a kid. You know, the one that all the kids were doing and your mother said to you, well, if everybody jumped off of a building, would you? No. Sometimes, most times, following the majority of people is a good thing. Fewer and fewer people smoke cigarettes. It's at 14% here in the U.S. versus 25% just 10 years ago. You shouldn't be zagging there. Texting and driving? Don't zig here. Transforming to digital marketing? Not sure there's a zag there either. Mobile? Yeah, it's happening. Don't zag back to fax machine marketing. And other times, it might be a tad confusing, but we've got a gut feel that it might not be right. Just exactly this week, last year, 2016, we were being crushed with how to implement a Pokemon Go marketing strategy with headlines like, Pokemon Go will be the next big thing for marketers. Or have you in your office done the mannequin challenge yet? You can wait on that one. Did you put together a Vine strategy? Or do you use QR codes? Or are you using Facebook as your website? Yeah, use Facebook as your website. That was actually a zig in 2012. Or was it a zag? Anyway, let's be glad we didn't do it. And then other times, it's really hard. Does our site need a chatbot? Do we need a Facebook page at all? Are we getting into mobile in a big way? Are we getting into virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, machine learning, or content marketing? Or even in our industry, what are our competitors doing today, tomorrow, where are they going? Should we follow or should we zag? What's the answer? The answer is in knowing where you're going. Clearly, knowing what success looks like, clearly. Because, as the saying goes, if you don't know where you're going, any zig or zag will get you there. But if you do know where you're going, what success looks like, then the zigs and the zags, they become clearer. The famous investor Warren Buffett said, It's only when the tide goes out that you discover who's been swimming naked. And what I'd say is that when a trend dies or goes out of fashion, that's when you see those without a strategy. There's the one stuck, naked, looking for the next trend to follow. And that's the theme of our show today zigging, zagging, and knowing when to do either of them, knowing where you're going, and knowing yourself a little better along the way. And now it's time for me to zag, or is it zig on out of here and get our little fast lane on the side road to success opened up? You ready to get on the road? Well, then let's roll.
0: For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, P and R, with this old marketing. Take it away, boys.
1: Hello, content marketers. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 192. PNRs this old marketing recorded Monday July 17th 2017 and with me as always is my co-host my colleague my friend and the guy who always knows when to zig or zag in content marketing Mr Joe Polizzi how are you my friend
0: You know I'm a, I'm a zagger are you Well I, okay absolutely I I write about I've I've written a couple blog posts about you know when everyone zigs you need to zag. That is I'm the all... theme of the show this week. So is
1: it really? It is indeed. That's knowing when to zig and follow everyone and knowing when
0: to zag and go against the grain. Do you give some prescriptive advice? I, I would be little... really interested. I I'm must, would... I'm gonna have to listen this week. You here. might have to actually listen to the intro this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I can make the time. <laughs> I just really enjoy
1: make <laughs> the time. <laughs> How's your summer going so far, sir? My Are you, you enjoying some... it? My summer is actually (laughs) relatively delightful. Um, I, I, you know, I, I will tell you this. I am... Things are great. Things... Business is good, busy. I'm about ready to start flying around the country and the world again doing things. And yet... I have a sense of 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 unease. I have to be honest. If I'm completely really? transparent, let's, and yeah, I have a sense unpa- of unease. I think
0: we need to unpack this. I, I don't mean, think we is... really
1: do, but but I think <laughs>
0: we should. What's yeah. what, where is this unease stemming from?
1: It's just you know it 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 is. I I don't know that uh, that is the that is the question. It is one of those mm-hmm. things where I'm trying to come to grips with feeling a bit uncomfortable and out of my box, as it were, and. I have no rational reason for things to feel uneasy, but I do. I feel a little uneasy, so I'm I'm using it. I just finished watching the Defiant ones. Have you seen this documentary yet on HBO? Oh, I saw you post it on Facebook. But it's I, amazing. I couldn't recommend it any more. Okay, I'm writing highly. it down. Defiant um, ones. Oh, it's okay. it's you will especially love it. I mean, with the exploration of Dr. Dre and the and the rap you know, and how that all sort of happened. It's you'll, you will absolutely love it, but there's a line that, that, uh, uh, Jimmy Iovine says, um, in it, I've actually written it down. It's, I think it's so good is you use fear as a tailwind, not as a headwind. And I'm trying to live up to that. I'm trying to live up to that right now. So I'm in the midst of tools of Titans. I'm in the midst of trying to reexamine my workflow and my processes. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'll get there. I'm, I'm all good, but, uh, yeah, if I'm honest, it's a little uneasy right now.
0: Well, I think our listeners—I uh, mean, I think they need to hear this kind of stuff from time to time. And just so you know, I am a, a licensed, certified minister, and so whenever you're ready to talk about this, I will be ready to accept and listen, and hopefully provide some kind of tangible, usable feedback. How's Forgive that? Forgive me, Godfather. I have not been in four days. There we go. How about that <laughs> oh what are we gonna do well no, you know what I I don't think there's anyone that doesn't anyone listening that doesn't have a little bit of unease about something yeah
1: I mean, I, absolutely absolutely you, you know I mean this is what you know it's that wonderful there's some wonderful sage advice which is why you should always be wonderful to other people, which is you have no idea the struggles and or things they're going through. You know, anyone you meet on the street, anyone that cuts you off in the middle of the freeway, anyone who is rude to you on a certain day, and you just don't know what their struggle is. And so there's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's just every day being, trying to be nice to people and, and joyful in the world is a, is just a better way of living.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I tell that to the boys all the time. Like when we'll come across somebody who's just mean and awful and they notice it and I'll just say, you know what? That person's just having a bad day. I think we just need to let them, we're just going to let them have their bad day. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. So, um, is this a marketing show? Is this a a marketing show? Okay. I I, I didn't know if we wanted to go there. I feel like going a whole different direction, but if you want to get into the news, (laughs) It's fine. You know, the thing is, we should probably get to the news because for some of
1: us, um, we actually have to earn a living here. So um, we have to get moving Do people along. use this to help in their jobs? I, I don't have help you all. Idea. I, I have no idea. I feel really um, bad about but that. But regardless, we'll get to the news anyway. Okay, um, let's do that. And Our first uh, story of the show uh, this week comes to us courtesy of the Wall Street Journal, that uh, little blog uh, that could. Um, by the way, this show... Um, I think every story but one has a huge hat tip, so just thank you to all of our wonderful audience out there for sending in stories this week. I think they all came from either the email or the Twitter hashtag, um, as I mentioned, all but one. But um, So anyway, this one comes, a big, huge hat tip to Steve Bennett, um, at Stephen P. Ben on Twitter, if you want to go follow Steve. Thank you, Steve. Um, And the headline here is, Online Publishers Try Reducing Ads to Boost Revenue. The story opens up by saying, For online publishers, more advertising typically means more revenue. It's why websites are often crammed, full of flashing banners, auto-playing videos, content-blocking overlays, and widgets recommending sponsored story links. But some publishers say they're now taking a less is more approach when it comes to placing ads across their sites. Stripping out irritating ad formats and limiting the number of ads forced on visitors can actually result in more engaged consumers. What a shock. Um, And ultimately increased ad revenue, they say. And so the story then goes on to talk about some examples of how some of these online publishers are actually making more money by uh, reducing their ad inventory. I seem to remember... Some guy who wears orange recommending this like a year and a half ago. Do you you remember that?
0: (laughs) Well, I think I've told the story on this show a couple times about the limited inventory model, where you 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 don't want to sell advertising, digital advertising, like you have unlimited inventory. You want to sell it like you have limited inventory, and you work with a smaller number of advertisers and give them many more benefits. It's not rocket right. science, and you could actually charge more to do that, and that's what this article talks about. But the, the funny thing that hit me, I don't know if you got this when you um, looked at the Wall Street Journal, but uh, I'm not a subscriber. So whenever you send, are you a subscriber to the Wall Street Journal? I am. I'm okay. a subscriber. Yeah. So when you send me the link, sometimes right. it works and sometimes it doesn't. So That's like sometimes correct. I'll get banned, but sometimes I can actually see it. So I got this link and I click on it from you and there's a big overlay. I can't do anything else. And it says subscribe to the Wall Street Journal. You know, all this other stuff. Or discounts, else, right. when, yeah, or, else. Yeah. or, or else. else you're not going to read <laughs> yeah. these things that we <laughs> right. have worked on. That's right. Um, that's what the annoying advertising is being used at smart companies because what what actually is going to happen and what has been happening for every company, media company except for Google and Facebook, is this race to zero digital advertising. Now, I know it's right. hard for people that's to get right. their arms around this, but at some point, and when I say zero, a very very small percent of overall revenues for media companies in the future, I don't know if that's five or 10 years or whatever it is, is going to come from digital advertising. And these are the first, um, not the first hiccups, these are a continuation of the hiccups that you and I have been covering (laughs) for the last five years about this stuff. And so, of course, This makes perfect sense. So if you want to keep that revenue line intact, you have to say, okay, well, what do we need to do differently? You actually have to give a better experience for your users. That means less advertising, and and you're going to work with those advertisers as partners and work with them on content that's actually very useful. And here's another good example from the Wall Street Journal. The one that I'm looking at, I don't know if you see it, but it says right at, right to the right of the image of this article, it says, content from our sponsor, Deloitte. That's and right. There's a, there's a whole thing about Cisco CMO, Delo- Deloitte CIO on leadership. It's basically native advertising. But they're working with their partner, Deloitte, charging them most likely an arm and a leg for whatever services they're providing, either in distribution services or helping them with the creation services. And they limit these opportunities the same thing goes for new york times they limit their native opportunities their advertising opportunities because it's the only option today there's not another option where you can just <laughs> distract as many people as possible and just make this a horrible experience you don't have that option anymore where you could do either or so i think that's a
1: you know the 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 thing is and and what struck me about this article was because the first time i read it um, I went, and I don't really, you know, this is great and it's interesting and certainly Joe and I can sit and discuss this. But I was like, what is the takeaway here for marketers, right, for content marketers who, quite frankly, aren't worried about, you know, ad inventory and, and, and that sort of thing? And I think you just encapsulated it, like, really well, which is one of the things, and we talked about this last show, one of the things we have a tendency to do in marketing when we're creating our digital magazine or our resource center or our website that's going to be a content marketing focused website is we stick a registration screen in front of it. Like you can't get in until you actually register in front of it. And as we start looking at these hiccups, like how are we going to monetize our content? One of the models that I think we can learn from as we watch the publishing industry sort of stumble and bumble their way through this is quite frankly how do we actually reduce the friction to getting our content in front of our you know audience's eyeballs to create the maximum and easiest amount of impact we can create and thus create and move forward the trust that we can create between our audiences, and 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 then necessarily have to reduce the amount of either in-house ads we stick on that page, or registration forms we stick on that page, or quote unquote calls to action to you know talk to a salesperson. In other words, if we can create a a higher level of trust and, and engagement with the audience we're trying to reach, we can the the path there is actually reducing the number of interruptions we have to put into place. Yep. Is that, am I making sense? No, no, you you you
0: absolutely do. I mean, you, we've talked about it. Go back to the to the start of Content Marketing Institute when you and I were were trying to figure this thing out and how we monetize it and, those, and the whole thing. We said let's limit the sponsor opportunities, and we'll give those sponsors access to different things outside of just display. Right. What do you get if you support? That's it's a sponsorship, is what it is. It's not advertising. It's a fully blown sponsorship, and I think that's the answer. So we limited it at the start to five. Now it's ten. And we've never had more than 10 digital sponsors at any one time of the content that we have on the site. And you only can see one at a time, by the way, the way that works. And we made a decision to do that. And I think that's worked pretty well. And this article is about companies that are moving to that kind of model. So I think that for you're talking about what can we offer that's prescriptive to marketers that are trying to figure this out because you and I are talk I mean this is what we talk about in the book I mean advertising sponsorship is one of the revenue options when you build an audience and build a content platform what what are you going to do well look don't look at the advertising model per se look at the sponsorship model where you might want to work with okay well how can I generate revenue from my content maybe you decide well there's four or five partners out there that you can uh, give them certain things like maybe access to data, access to certain parts of the audience, maybe, uh, in person integrations into your events, whatever the case is. But you can drive revenue through sponsorship because there's, there's opportunities there to do that, but not necessarily in display and branding, uh, or click throughs or call to actions or whatever. But I think if you look at it as a total package, I think there's something there that I think will last. That I don't think is going away anytime soon. I think what is going away is just oh, we've got sixteen, twenty, fifty digital advertisers at any one, you know, at, at, at any one month. That's definitely going away quickly, yeah. and, and we see this from the article. Yeah,
1: well, and 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 I think just to your point and to the theme of the show, which is how do we know which way to go? How do we know which way to zag or zig, depending on you know which which model we're looking to follow or which of the you know, numerous models you just, you know, you just extolled. It is to watch, you know, watch this space, you know, watch the wall street journal, the New York times, the, you know, the ad ages, the, you know, the magazines that you follow and watch, which starts to really work and how they're starting to really build in because that's, what's training our consumers. That's those, you know, those are the places that are training our consumers over where and how to expect, um, content and access to content. And so we can use that to help optimize what it is we're doing and you know, whether we're making money at it or not.
0: Well, that's what's, it's just fascinating to me, especially from the marketing standpoint. And I know a lot of marketers don't look at it, but the New York times and the wall street journal, I know they will never say this, but they are preparing for what we just talked about, no advertising, very little advertising coming digitally. And they're looking at their business model. And what's happening is the business models that they're choosing look a lot like everyone listening to this program right now. That's right. It's the same (laughs) thing. Exactly right. It's just that nobody's, I mean, you, how many times have you and I talked about it? Like, are we the only ones seeing this? This is the, the business model of media companies and, and companies that sell products and services. They're, they're, if they're not identical now, they will be in the next five years. It's just That's nobody's right. paying attention to it that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that—I mean—I won't get into it now. That goes to my my, my rant a little later mm-hmm. in the show. Okay. But this is exactly it. As you know, it is the relationship with our consumer that is all important, creating that trust with that consumer. That goes both for the subscriber and the advertiser. And so, the less we have sort of tangible touch on those people the less control we have. So anyway, yeah, not to beat a dead horse here, but it's, but it, there's, there's lots of lessons to be learned here. And so I was super glad to be able to talk about it. It's a
0: horse named Zag. No. <laughs> that's, that's not Zig. <laughs> Zag. <laughs> I rode through the desert on a horse with
1: no name. Felt to get out of the rain. All right. We're we should do a musical episode. We should. I've been listening to the 70s I, yeah. channel. Uh, all summer. Maybe this is the source of my unease. It's not been listening to the 70s channel. Well, now on, we've, on, yeah, we've
0: identified the source <laughs> of pain in your life. It's been Although, great,
1: though. I have enjoyed my
0: 70s music, I have to tell you. It's been, it's been wonderful. Well, uh, Joe Kalinowski and I and a bunch of friends, we were together last weekend and, and we were listening to 70s music almost nonstop. And it was quite soothing, I have to tell you. It's great. It's so great.
1: I mean, you just forget about all these amazing songs. Well, anyway, speaking of music, um, <laughs> yeah. queuing up very wonderfully and segueing nicely into our next story here. Um, and uh, this cru- this story comes courtesy of brandchannel.com. And a huge, um, a huge hat tip here to massive content with a K – I, it's at massive content. I, I, I so want to do that in a Russian a- accent for some reason with the, the ma- you have the massive content. And so there you go. The Twitter channel for massive content. The headline here is Fender strums up demand with guitar lessons. I love this story so much. The uh, The story opens up by saying, give a man a guitar, and you give him an afternoon's amusement. Teach him to play guitar, and you give him a lifetime of amusement. Um, ancient Chinese proverb. I'm, I'm going to say that's a misquote, but, you know, I don't know. Um, anyway, the story continues on by saying, Eric Clapton, George Harrison, Jimi Hendrix, U2, and Billy Corgan have all played Fender guitars. The brand, of course, has always figured everybody should play one, and now it is doing something about it. Using what it is calling micro-learning strategy, hear it, learn it, play it, Fender is looking to create a new generation of guitarists and a little extra money with a natural brand extension online guitar lessons after a free 30-day trial of Fender Play wannabe our, a guitarist can shell out 19.99 monthly to learn how to play classics such as the Star Spangled Banner from Fender's online instructors this is this is killing marketing our, this is our book writ large and I just I absolutely love this what did you think
0: yeah i mean what's first of all big yes exclamation point to this and what fenders doing and yeah um this is what everyone needs to be doing whether they want to or not i mean if you if if you they could have just done this as pure content marketing so right. pure content marketing is they do free lessons as part of this and then by the way check it out it's pretty amazing what they're doing they had flea and what are some of the other uh Bunch so of other famous people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they had some good uh, ones. You keep going uh, and I'll look. I'll look. Okay. So anyways, yeah. So, so I know ZZ Tops uh, guitarist was in there. Yeah. So going through the, so if they would have done this for free, we would have just said this is a pure content marketing play. They are also looking to monetize this. I think that's the right decision. Honestly, it doesn't matter. Because whether they make money off of this thing, this, their biggest challenge is what's stated in the article is you get a lot of people that'll buy a Fender guitar and they stop playing. That's and right. they never buy another exactly Fender guitar because right. they're stopped playing. So it's Fender's obligation to do this now that it can be done. I, exactly. That's what the thing, that's what we don't, we, we, we think that, oh, this is a nice thing for Fender to do. No, it's, this is, they can do it now. The internet has changed everything. They should be doing this. And every company, if, if Fender wants to be the leading manufacturer of guitars, they also need to be the leading education provider of how to be a guitar of guitar player. players. Yes. They need to manufacture exactly. guitar
1: players. They need to That's actually exactly make right. guitar players. They make markets. That's what marketing does. This is why this is so genius. They this is, they need to manufacture guitars and they need to manufacture the players who will play them. And guess what? They match those two things together, and they have a business forever. This this is such a no brainer. I love this article so much. I love what they're doing here so much, and I hope they make a ton of money doing it.
0: Well, here is the thing: if if there wasn't this fifty years of interruptive marketing that we all thought was just how we market, the Companies would have been doing this forever. That's right. But we we got distracted by the big disco ball of advertising, and we (laughs) lost our way.
1: True. Yes. (laughs) I want to make a big disco. Okay, somebody out there needs to do a joke of the big (laughs) big disco disco ball of advertising advertising because that's that's the best way I can explain it.
0: We were distracted (laughs) by something that did work at the time. The disco ball was awesome. And it did distract us for quite a while. And now we're back into reality where we're like, well, well, how are we really going to communicate to our audiences and build experiences that will help them? And if we help them, it'll help our business as well. So, yeah, this is is something where I wanted to say about time, but you can't say about time because this is still an innovative thing that companies are not quite grasping yet. But obviously Fender is
1: but it 's a fantastic initiative and 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 kudos to them for uh, for doing it so so go check that out yes. um, all right, moving on to our next story yes. here, which is a really interesting one, and I know you have a thing on this I do um Thank you. This segues nicely as well because it talks about the sort of growing importance of content and content marketing. Um, hat tip here, big hat tip here to Gene Fox, uh, who sent this through the email uh, channel, actually. So thank you to Gene for, for sending that through. The headline here is The Hack. Having a Media Company Mentality. Uh, this comes from Medium.com and Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk, of course. Um, his uh, column, I guess you would call it on, on, on Medium, called The Hack, where he addresses things uh, occasionally. And he opens up his blog post here by saying, This is a subject I have been thinking about for a long time. He seems to open up a lot of his blog posts with that sentence, but I'm not going to nitpick there. It's the reason I've been such a success, and the truth is there's no reason to do anything other than act like a media company in today's digital age. It's just access. Never before have brands and consumers had the ability to create and consume content at scale. Because of the iPhone and the Internet and social media, anyone can produce and distribute. Just 15 years ago, if you wanted to create a commercial to promote your brand, you would need to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on media and marketing. Today, you can literally use your smartphone, record a two-minute clip, and run ads on Facebook. The cost of entry has dropped 100-fold. He then goes on to talk about how this cool thing called content could really change the face of marketing
0: and what he does to be successful. What did you think, Mr. Polizzi? Well sir, um I actually have to apologize because I have to go against protocol here. This oh, and we didn't I we didn't it. yeah, we didn't uh, plan on this, but this was my rant for the Ooh, week. Oh, okay. All right. So if you don't mind, I'm going to take my rant time now. You set this up really really well. Okay. I'm going to take my rant time because and I also think that most people would not expect me to rant on this because you and I talk about having a media company mentality or thinking and acting like a media company all the time. And I've got nothing against. You're going to uh, zag. Mr. You're oh, going to zag. I'm going to zag here. Get ready, folks. Yeah. All right. The zig Let's is dead. Long live the zag. Um, right. First of all, I've got nothing but respect for, for Gary V and what he's done. I don't think I could have ever done all the things that he's, he's done and how he's, um, you know, from wine library TV on to today and, in the ways he helps people, so I don't want. I'm now I'm going to crap all over it, but I wanted to put that. I wanted to put that out there because the guy's a success. You can't. I can't go against that, um, and I totally respect him. And he's he's done a few things w- with me back in the day when I was struggling, and I'll never forget that. So Gary, thank you, appreciate it. But this article is not correct. You can have a media company mentality and all the stuff the all the basics in here are correct. You should be thinking and acting like a media company. You have access to your audience. Um the launch of the internet uh means that we can have an audience and communicate directly with our customers and prospects. We don't need to sell anymore. Um we 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 have to think about advertising differently. All those things he's absolutely right and we've talked about those a million times but what i do have a problem with robert and i don't know if you caught this but he basically says if you have to do this like you have to create a podcast start a blog do a and a show uh, all of it works all you have to do is is start you just have to start creating a bunch of content and he used the Uh, an example here and I got to find it, but something about a plumber. Yeah. So not, so if you're, if you're a plumber restaurant, yeah, yeah. yeah, You're, it talks about what if the, Oh, here it is. For example, I'm going to read straight from the article in quotes. For example, a plumbing service speaking about the Yankees game in a Facebook post isn't going to confuse their customers into thinking they sell baseballs. But what it does, it potentially connects a fanatic Yankees fan to, to use their service. He's saying, you should just create any old content, no matter what type of company you are, because you can. And that is wrong. And that's what has given content marketing such a bad name, because you've just got experts and gurus out there just say, just create content, just do it. it doesn't make, you don't need a plan. It doesn't need to be in any of your authority area. You can tweet and you can blog and you can do all kinds of stuff. And because you can, you should. And that is absolutely false. You should not. You should get a plan. It should be an authority area. You know something about it. Should be absolutely helpful. You need to resource for that plan. If you're going to create content, you should do it consistently. You shouldn't do a Q and a series on Facebook and then jump over to a podcast and do you should do what Gary Vaynerchuk did is he focused on doing one thing really well, wine library TV, and he did it consistently over a long period of time and built an audience. And now today he could do anything he wants. Because he's built up becoming a superstar. You cannot do that. You don't have that cachet. You are not a superstar. You can't just create content and going it's it's not going to work. So that's what frustrated me, and I'm getting all emotional over this, Robert. But I, I'm really frustrated when people say all you gotta do is create content and it's going to work. It's not. It doesn't for most people because they're doing what this article says to do. It's just to go out and create content on whatever else. It doesn't have to be differentiated. It just has to be stuff. And after a while, you'll get an audience and it's gonna and you're gonna connect with people. And that connect is gonna lead to greater business. It's not. It's not going to. You have to plan this stuff out. And if you don't and you just create content run amok, you are wasting everyone's time. Rant over.
1: Good rant. That was a really good rant, um i yeah, I agree with all of it I mean I you know so I, I did catch all of that um in honesty, I sort of i mean I chalked it up to being Gary being gary, right I mean you're probably right you yeah know, he hes he starts every post and speech off with you know <laughs> he 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 didn't get the memo that only a sith deals in absolutes, um and so he's he, he he definitely starts out with hyperbole, right? I mean, and so um, I, you know, I, I read that and and I read this and I saw the, you know, it's a piece of cake, and 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 then you know, the where I thought you were actually going to go with this was his sort of toward the end, which sort of you know, sort of it's it's very meta in its nature. Is he he really? gets into the, okay, well, how do you how do, you do all this? How do you get the attention? How do you get all this wonderful attention like I've gotten? You explore influencers. Um, and that is linked. The word influencers, of course, is linked right to his website. And of course, it's to a blog post called Evaluating the Cost of Using an Influencer in Three Simple Steps. So, uh, you because know, he sells because he because course, media, media company exactly works right. on influencer programs. That's yes. exactly right. So so as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, got it. I know what he's doing now. He's you know, he's creating a piece of content on Medium that's gonna pull in a few people and hopefully generate a few leads for himself. And that's get it, got it good. Um but I agree with your so overall the challenge I have with this is the same one you do, which is it tends to commoditize the the, the and, and the, the commoditize the the complexity that is required, whether you're one person like me who's sitting uneasy in Los Angeles trying to figure out life, or if you're, you know, part of a huge brand. And you're working for, you know, a conglomerate and you're trying to figure out how to navigate the politics and the social layering of what's gone on in marketing over the last decade. And you're trying to figure out how to socialize content marketing to your peers. It, it, it's not an easy thing to do. And it's and it's not just throwing up content into an iPhone and figuring out, you know, sending 5,000 DMs across Instagram and and, you know, doing those things. It's actually... There's a practice behind it. When, so, when somebody else tweeted me this, this article, it wasn't Gene who sent it in through the email, but the, the somebody else tweeted uh, at me, not using the hashtag, but this article, and said, what do you think? And I said, I... I think it would be interesting if a couple of guys wrote books on the complexity, you know, of this. And it's like, yeah, there, there are people who are talking about this and have been talking about this and the layering and the complexity of all of this. And it's, and it's, and it is, it's difficult. It's hard. That's why it's worth doing. It's why it's worth yeah. doing. And, and Gary realizes that. I'm sure Gary realizes that. He knows as it's much so as anybody. hard. I mean,
0: right. he, how much he struggled to, to build his media company. I mean, he, right. he, he, and, if you see, so what happens from these uh, – We, you and I have been around way too long. We know what happens with these kinds of articles. First, they're really good because somebody let, – let's say a, a, a chief marketing officer or whatever that follows Gary – uh, gets this, and they get the they get the content marketing fever, and they start thinking, "Oh, hey, we're gonna That's do right. it. We're gonna." They put uh, they put somebody in charge of it in the company, but they've read this and say, "Well, shoot, we can do this. It doesn't just go ahead and figure this out. It didn't seem all that hard. Get some influencers, let's start creating some content. Great. So they start doing it, and then there, so, some poor marketing soul gets burdened with this. They get crushed." the life just sucks out of their souls because <laughs> they can't do anything right because right. it's so much harder and it takes 12 to 18 yes. months to just get this thing going. And then it gets back to the, C- C- uh, the CEO or the CMO or whatever. And they're like, well, it should have worked Gary. it's it, Why didn't it work? And Gary knows, and we all know how hard this is to do. So hopefully they, maybe they bought a couple books that are out there from some really smart people and figured this thing out. So, I don't wanna rant over it because he's been a really good proponent of this whole effort for many years. But I was sent this article as well by a few people that were really cheering it up. Like, hey, Gary V is talking your language. And I'm then I'm like, and I read it and I'm like, Oh no, this is not good. This is what we've been pushing ourselves against for many years. So
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like I appreciate the spirit, you know, but yeah, it, it's it's the it's the it's the uh, and and really do I mean earnestly appreciate yes. the spirit yes. of the piece and 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 that it's and that it's coming from you know not you know no irony here it's coming from an in- industry influencer and that's a really good thing so there's nothing about that 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 should be taken you know in any other way. The challenge is, is that when we trivialize the effort here it makes our jobs harder and that's and that's the that's that's the lesson right is 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 that it is that you know objects in your mirror may appear closer and more difficult than they appear right so
0: yeah I'm so sorry sorry Gary
1: He doesn't he doesn't really know <laughs> he, doesn't he doesn't
0: care He doesn't absolutely care. he doesn't care like I'm thinking, thinking listen to the show yeah I'm thinking he's going to tweet me out Hey, Ed Joe Polizzi, I heard you did blah 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 against right. me on your show. He does. He's never going to hear. it. He's yeah, never going to hear about is, it. Doesn't matter. Uh, don't and maybe, don't tell yeah. him. Don't. I'd yeah. rather. Not, I'd rather he not know. <laughs> exactly. Let's just, just keep. Let's let's, folks, just, let's just let's just keep forget, all this between let's us. Just let's, just, let's, just, convers- just, let's just forget the whole conversation. Let's just forget the whole
1: thing. Let's just forget the last seven <laughs> minutes. You know. Just Here, never. stare into the
0: light, folks. There we go. You, now you. You ever uh, do that? I do that with my. I do that with my wife all the time. I say. Stare into the blinking thingy? No, 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 no. no. Yeah. I say, you know, all that stuff I just said in the last five minutes, can you just prepare and just pretend I never said it? And can we yeah. just start over just again? Erased, I'm so Erase sorry. that thumb drive, would you? Yeah, can <laughs> we just start? My only reboot? excuse is I'm a man. I'm so sorry. I can't I can't my, do anything my right. Only
1: excuse is I'm a man. <laughs> 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 it's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one.
0: Hey, Speaking of When you're really excuses, reaching for stuff, it works. Yeah. It works. Yeah.
1: Frankly. Speaking of excuses, we should talk about this wonderful sponsor because it's us. For the second week in a
0: row. Oh, yeah. So this is the, the, we, we reserved a few sponsorship slots for content marketing world before our summer rates end. So this is the last one. We'll have a, our regular sponsor, uh, next week, but a reminder that, uh, summer rates for content marketing world, the largest in-person content marketing event in the world ends on July 21st and you can use coupon code PNR100. Uh To get a hundred dollars off specifically for this old marketing listener, so that's p n r one hundred and robert i this this is going to be broken on this show. Nobody else knows this yet. So the people that listen to this, because this will go live about 9 p.m. at night as we record this, and the people that listen to this will know before the press release goes out and everything, I actually asked if it was okay if we talked about it, because I want to talk about it. So one of our 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 second major keynote, we got a lot of major keynotes, but one of our major keynotes that we're announcing is Casey Neisted is going to keynote Content Woo-hoo. Marketing World. There you go. Uh, for those of you that don't know Casey, ask your kids. <laughs> um, Casey, we've talked about Casey on this show. Uh, Casey sold his company, Beam, I think it was called, for millions and millions of dollars to CNN. Uh, he's one of the most prolific storytellers today. Uh, if you haven't checked out any of his vlogs that he's done, he's got, I don't know how many, tens of millions of of people that subscribe to him on YouTube, a super, super success, great speaker. And he's going to talk about his storytelling journey. And I'm so excited about that. And actually, what's interesting is he's going to be speaking on September 6th. And do you know who's opening up for, for Casey on September 6th? I don't know if you you know, this is, I have, uh, I have, yeah, there's yeah, some, uh, some chucklehead. I'm Mr. Sure. Robert Rose. That's oh, right. I'm yeah. uh, so excited. What a tandem. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, I, am,
1: I, I am not. It's a good bookend because if, if there's one thing I am not, it is Casey Neistat. Yeah. Oh, the, I am the opposite man.
0: of that. Who programmed this? They should yeah. get a big pat on the back, whatever. Anyways, so Casey's <laughs> going to be keynoting just a, yet another reason to go to Content Marketing World, and we, by the way, we've got one more really big announcement left. I can't tell you what that is because we have to work through legal first, but we have it locked in. Everything's good to go for our closing keynote. We're super excited about that. 14 concurrent tracks this year, something for everyone, whether you're a small company, large B2B, B2C marketer. Go to contentmarketingworld.com, September 5th through 8th in Cleveland, Ohio. Use coupon code PNR100 to save another $100. We want to see you there and uh i don't i mean i think we can say this because but it's not planned but we're going to do it we're going to do a big old killing marketing release party there
1: we are too yeah it's going to be fun it's so if you at all absolutely be fun
0: so if you listen to this show and you at all care about us in any way you should come to <laughs> content marketing world <laughs> how's that, wow, for, that i'm really quickly. laying it yeah. on thick yeah. now robert uh,
1: so. That, uh, that, that that went in a weird
0: way very quickly. <laughs> it got weird. Um, you went the other direction with that one, didn't you? Yeah. yeah it got, got, all of a sudden it es- got
1: awkward.
0: That escalated All right, ladies
1: there. and gentlemen. <laughs> it is now time for your favorite part of the show. It is our rants and raves section where, well, normally we'd go off. Joe Sorry. and I would go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like we've zigged or something that makes us feel like we've zagged. Um, Joe has already gone with his rant. Um, so, uh, and I have this old marketing, so I get to go, you get to hear a lot of me for the next 10 minutes here. All um, right. I'm going
0: to, I'll, I'll talk to you later, Robert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> You can start checking email or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, I have two very quick commentaries more than anything else. I'm, I'm not sure if they would be rants or raves, although one is certainly more ranty than the other. Um, the first one, and these are both obviously links that we'll put into the show notes. Um, uh, the first one is this. I it's a, it's a story that we've covered, and we actually even talked about it today and mentioned it a little earlier in the show. Um, the article we'll link to is to mediapost.com, and the article's headline is Programmatic buying declines 12% in the first quarter. And so if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you've heard me rant on the the topic of programmatic advertising and how I think it's, you know, not long, you know, for the strategy world. And and I think, you know, ultimately it's a ceiling that you run into pretty quickly. And I think what we're starting to see here is the ceiling, um, which is bouncing against it. And so it opens up by saying that basically... Um, Among, uh, it said, uh, according to the Ad Sales Intelligence Platform's data, this comes from uh, Media Radar, 45,008. (laughs) I love that number, (laughs) 45,008 advertisers, uh, purchased ads programmatically in Q1 of 2016, while in Q1 of 2017, the number of programmatic advertisers dropped 12% year-over-year down to 39,415. It goes on, the article, which is a really just interesting article if you're into programmatic ad buying and sort of the the trends therein, as as I am, um, you've seen things slow considerably. And I I think what we're starting to see is the reality behind all the things that we've been talking about, which is ad fraud and the fear around where our content is actually appearing when we do it programmatically. Um, the rise to some extent of what they call private marketplaces, which are ostensibly just publishers opening up their own programmatic networks to say, hey, listen, you can trust us because we've got four publications or ten publications and you can trust us through a, a private network, but that's going to go the same way. That's just a, you know, it's just a way to basically open up the sunroof to a different, you know, ceiling um, above that. So that's going to hit the same kind of ceiling um, I would predict. And so my point in all of this is that when I read this, this is yet another, Um, another nail in the coffin of trying to automate an old process, which is our banner advertising and sticking banner and everything we've just been talking about for the last 20 minutes on the show. They do speak to native advertising here and they started to, they start to talk in this article about how native and putting content and powerful content into um, into the, the, the content of publishers is becoming the number one initiative for publishers as they start to look and make more money. When we talked earlier about the advertisements reducing and the amount of content uh, going in and reducing inventory to increase revenue, Native is a huge piece of that for publishers. And as we start thinking about how we promote content and promote our own owned media strategy, this is our opportunity where we start to see the efficacy of programmatic buying declining. We can use that opportunity to start generating wonderful, amazing content that lives Obviously, in our own owned media channels, but also on other people's channels to pull in and start to build audiences to what we're trying to do. The opportunity is nigh, marketers, and this is yet another. Um, signpost along along that road as we determine whether we are zigging or zagging in the advertising and programmatically buying it. All right, so that's my first one. Um, the second one, which is related, and it's a nice one to pair with this one, is a bit of a rave, I guess you would say, and you've also heard me, you know, spew on ad nauseum about um, how the agencies are being challenged now. What we'll link to in the show notes is an article in AdAge, Which is that Deloitte, you remember that wonderful large, big accounting firm? Yeah, they've won their first AOR deal um, on creative. Um, And uh, as the article opens up, they just won the AOR, the agency of record um, for John Hancock um, and uh, uh, specifically for their creative capabilities. And the article opens up by saying, after 32 years with Interpublic Group's Hill Holiday in the U.S. financial services company Manulife, which is part of John Hancock, um, operates as John Hancock domestically, they have hired Deloitte's Digital Heat as its global creative agency. Hill Holiday did not even participate in the review. And the article goes on to describe how the they interview the president of Heat, the agency within uh, Deloitte that is actually going to be taking over the creative for Manulife. And the part that really it's it's a little buried in the story, but the part that really just made my you know my my heart sing and all of that and 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 start to really sort of look at this differently is where he said the reason we were selected wasn't because necessarily. We knew how data-driven, creative, and we knew how data works. Basically, anybody knows how data works these days. Anybody knows how measurement works. What Deloitte has, he said, was basically decades of experience with knowing where this industry is going and the strategic advice that we can bring to bear. So a much more strategic advisor about how to help Manulife basically run their business. Now, you can argue that financial services is really a specialized niche for Deloitte in this, you know, given their history. But I think this is yet another signpost as we start looking at where agencies are going, where creative agencies are going. And if you're in any one of those things, there's a lot of opportunity there because the world is shifting when it comes to who's providing those creative services, whether it's agencies, publishers, media companies, or in this case, big five, you know, former big five accounting firms. So I think it's a really fascinating um look and yet another um, sign that we're, we're looking at a fundamental disruption of what has gone on in the creative agency space for forever and ever so so those are my two together no, I, sort of. I
0: love I love that second one um, this, I talked to a s- small agency uh, owner the other day and we we're talking about their target audience and basically their target audience were small businesses and I said what like you have the opportunity to become a leader in a certain area. And if you don't do this, somebody else is. And they're right. always going to get it's always, they're always going to vie for the expertise in that particular industry. So don't just be a generalist agent. The generalist agency has to be the worst thing on the planet right now, right? That's right. Uh, I, you can't survive that way. So I think that that's pretty telling from what you were just talking about.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's you know, we covered this on the show, you know, six or seven episodes ago where the, I think it was the head of publicists or WPP or, you know, one of them was saying basically, yeah, yeah, it's nice that the big, you know, accounting firms and the big five are all getting into this business, but they'll never win because we have creativity on our side. And it's like, well, you know, guess what? That's just talent and talent can be acquired. So um, and sure enough, here we go. You know, this is yep. this is this is where it is. Um, Okay, so I have this old marketing, um, and uh, this one is not that old, actually. Um, It's relatively new, but I thought it was really interesting, and by the way, also a wonderfully uh, uh, submitted uh, idea. Hat tip here to Joe Waters, uh, at Joe Waters on Twitter. So thank you, Joe, for this wonderful, this old marketing example. Um, And the headline is UBS. And so speaking of financial services, UBS um, and their content platform unlimited. This is um, on marketing week. And so it's a basically a case study of how for the last year um, wealth management um, uh, arm of UBS, basically this is the advisor investor uh, division of UBS the headline reads they've decided to shake up the financial services sector with the launch of a new content platform called Unlimited to make a play for a very specific audience, a new generation of purpose-fueled millionaires Um, the article says basically millionaires and billionaires are evolving as a slew of startup founders and entrepreneurs hit the millionaire mark, the Makeup of the mega rich is moving much more toward profit with a purpose. Um, At least this was the feeling at wealth management giant UBS. Which they have now decided they're going to launch this new content platform to actually reach this audience of people who want to do something more interesting um, with their money and where they might invest it in some of the interesting, more innovative things. So they launched this thing called Unlimited, um, which features—it's mostly video. Like if you go, and we'll link to the actual site as well as the the article um, in Marketing Week. Um, but the site's really cool. It's been around for a year. It combines original content um, that they've done in. in In partnership with Vice Media and Vanity Fair, where they've interviewed people like Stephen Hawking, um, Wikipedia founder Jimmy Wales, they've created an editorial um, strategy here, and they shift that editorial strategy every six months with topics to really spotlight areas, right? So, for example... How about wealth and whether it automatically guarantees a rich life, or whether you need to do other things to get a rich life, or whether time is actually a commodity or something that you can make more of, and how might you do it? And they interview these thought leaders and and all these celebrities, and and then sort of have an editorial bent on focusing in on these thematic editorial strategies every you know every maybe four or five six months. Um, and actually pull this all together, and they're all mostly video blogs where they actually do short little like documentary series, almost really trying to reach a very young, affluent group. These you know, thirty-five to thirty-eight years old, and and really, as they say in the article, mostly female, mostly looking to uh, reach a, a female, you know, wealthy audience that's looking to do purpose behind their. Wealth, and of course, this is a wonderful program for them. Um, they've gotten more than a million unique visitors to the website, and, and as they say, engaged five million people via their social channels, where it's all integrated, of course. Um, and as they say, the 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 originator of this program, when uh, when he's asked about. Um, you know, what they're, what they're really focused on. He says, I admit that at first his team became a little bit obsessed with mapping the perfect user journey before realizing that the strategy should really be about allowing the consumer to navigate the content as, how, whenever, and however they want. So they've made it much more loose and much more focused on basically providing content that's really valuable. And so just a fantastic example, I think, of not necessarily an old marketing piece, but one that a few years ago, hopefully, or a few years from now, rather, we'll be talking about as as an amazing example of something that has stood the test of
0: time. And for now, a good
1: example of this old marketing.
0: You know, Robert, I think that the zag is sweeping the nation. (laughs) And this is just another example. The zig is dead. There it Log is. Log yeah. the zag. There, the All zig right. is They're
1: zagging for sure. And, and, and what I love about what they're doing here is they're zagging in the truest sense of it. You know, what I talked through in the intro, they're zagging in the truest sense of it is that they're not talking about something, you know, completely, you know, just you were making this point earlier in, in one of the stories. It's like they're not just out there talking about some random thing, you know, talking about movie reviews or something silly where they're just creating anything to try and bolster what might be popular. There is, you can see the focus on and the value both connected to the brand that they have as well as what they would ultimately value they'd be liking to drive for their consumers. But it's different. It's a different than really any other financial services company that I can think of is out there talking about. They've framed it in a really different way, you know. Uh, just as an example, this I this uh, this Monday was my um, uh, or excuse me Saturday was my weekly letter to the intelligent content crowd, and I and and my letter, the theme of my letter this week was understanding the difference between being distinct versus distinctive, and it's what we want is to be distinctive, which is. Among a crowd, but different, so different that we're actually distinctive from that crowd. Not distinct where we're out on our own and nobody nobody knows what the hell we're doing, and we're separate from the crowd because that's just being different for different sake. And you're you know you're off out in the wilderness. Being distinctive is being different within the crowd, so much so that you're completely differentiated from all those that you're around. And it's just a it's just a this is a wonderful
0: example of that. You know, it's interesting in the financial sector. I remember we you know you and I this is what, six years, seven years ago, we used to talk about American Express Open Forum and what they were doing yeah, there. And it was amazing. Right. And then you had all these financial institutions sort of copy that model. And then they all started talking about the same thing. And so yeah, then we get back right. to publishing. We get just back get back to, and you know, you were talking about framing, I call it in content, my book, Content Inc., I call it the content tilt, or
1: mm-hmm. tilting
0: that in some way. It's the same thing, right? You have to do that. And, uh, you know, going back to the Gary Vee article where you, you know, it's, you don't waste it. Don't waste time. Don't waste anybody's time. Just, if you're going to do it, do it right. <laughs> Focus on an area that you actually have something right. that's valuable, but you also have authority in that area. So, there, there you go. What are you doing All right, this week, man? Um,. You know, it's uh I got a really, really tough uh week this week because I'm I'm golfing on Friday with my dad and then on Saturday I'm golfing with my buddies.
1: That's rough. It's just, oh, it's, just it's, it's tough to be Joe Pulitzi right now. It is really, it's, really hard. Uh, I I hear
0: I hear you have a trip uh this week. Is I right? do. You're,
1: yes, it is true. I am off to Chicago, actually south of Chicago, so those of you in chicago i will sadly miss you because i'm going to land at o'hare but i'm going to be driving to lovely tinley park tinley park uh illinois which is just south of chicago for a client engagement where i'm there to teach a day and a half long workshop on all things content and marketing and digital and all sorts of things so i'll be enjoying that over the next three days and then back home for friday and then the weekend and and then uh yeah and then onward from there well and
0: be safe. I know you'll do <laughs> thank well. You. Yeah, I know thank you'll you. be fine. <laughs> Four. You'll survive Chicago. You'll come back. I will survive Just Chicago. fine. Yes, and I'll be, I I'll will. I'll try not to get a blister. Oh, on, rough. While I'm golfing, and, and it's it, it is tough. I mean, sometimes you know, my I, I got this little the shoulder thing, and sometimes when I'm getting out of the golf cart, it kind of twink. twink, oh, twink shut, I mean. up. Just <laughs> shut up. It's, it's tough just being shut me, up. man. It, it is tough really, to be really Joe. tough. Alright, it's it all, all yours. Alright, let
1: us close this out where it's tough to be Joe. That is it for Tough Luck, Joe Polizzi, and Robert Rose. We are signing off. If you like this episode, number 192, won't you go just take five minutes and leave us a kind review on iTunes? That's how we get popular, and we want to be popular like Gary Vee, folks, so go review us, won't you? If it's not a kind review, review don't bother right but if it's kind go review it and if you haven't yet do consider subscribing on itunes or stitcher.com or any of those kinds of things and if you leave us a review or if you subscribe let us know hashtag us up with this old marketing so we can thank you personally for that and story ideas you heard it this week folks so many wonderful people gave us stories via the hashtag, we'd love for you to give us story ideas, story ideas, story ideas, we love them, hashtag us up at thisoldmarketing on the Twitter, or you can of course, as Gene uh, as did, send an email into this old thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com all the links that we talked about today will be available in the show notes as we go to publish on Monday night, that's just in a few hours and of course in the show post in all its replete technicolor glory at thisoldmarketing.com on Saturdays until next week everybody, remember It's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.